I'm never going to make enough money to support myself. A spin on that could be, you know, I'm smart. I'm resourceful. I'm a hard worker. I'm willing. And I, you know, I have the drive. Why not me? Why can't I? And then it becomes much more positive as you go along. Welcome to the Ladies Who Lead podcast. This is a community of women supporting women. Tune in every other Thursday to hear from SK Vaughn as she catches up with ordinary ladies doing extraordinary things. We will cover topics like diversity and inclusion, gender pay gap, thought leadership, and respect in the workplace. We want to celebrate with you and hear stories of success and hard lessons learned. Whether you are a lady who leads in the boardroom or a lady who leads in your community, this is the place for you. Let's do this. Allison Hall is the founder of several personal development firms and programs for women, including The Boldest Me, Mind Money Divorce, Change Agent Coaching, and Whitehall Divorce Consulting. She uses her 25 years of experience as a CPA and corporate strategist, finance professional, and serial entrepreneur to help women not only survive, but thrive through major life transitions. Her passion is creating entrepreneurial educational content for young minds under the Boldest Me Kids brand, including a recent book, Startup Smart, The Girl's Guide to Entrepreneurship. This is a very interesting, compelling interview as we go into what it means to have financial independence through major career and personal life decisions, including divorce. So this is one you don't want to miss. And I'm so excited to have Allison on the podcast. All right. I'm so excited to have Allison joining us today on the Ladies Who Lead podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. So I always kick off the episode with how are you surviving and thriving this week? So I will jump in first and how am I surviving? Well, I don't know about you, but today has been a day for me. I feel like nothing has gone as planned, which, you know, we, we can always make plans and then just laugh about it later. But I decided to go to Starbucks with my dog because I thought that'd be a nice treat just to get in the car and go first thing this morning. And I I pull in and right before I even had my first cup of coffee, someone almost runs into me and I have to throw on the brakes. My dog lands on lemonade that happens to have been in my car and cuts the styrofoam cup and it explodes all into the car and I'm just sitting there drenched in lemonade and my dog and I are just covered and so is the entire car. And I'm just like, wow, this is a great start to the morning before my first cup of coffee just went from there. So that's kind of how I'm surviving. And then thriving, I'm just excited about the season. I'm excited about finding the fun in 2024. My motto is kind of looking for just the fun in life. And I think when you are laser focused on goals, which are so important, we all should have, you know, that focus. But I think majority of my 20s has been to set out to achieve a specific title or position or salary or if I can do this quality of work by this milestone, I will feel like I've made it. And I looked around this year and I realized, wow, a little bit of a little brag, I guess. I, I was able to do those things. And that's awesome. Now what? <laughs> right? And then you just, the to-do list continues. But I think this year made me stop and really realize and put things into perspective of what I was going to do to be intentional this year and set out to do. And 
I looked around with doing all my tasks and all my things. And I was like, okay, well, what's fun for me? And I couldn't think of a thing. And so this year I'm finding the fun. And so that's how I'm thriving kind of this week is you've got a lot of fun things. We are scheduled this season. It's Mardi Gras down here and we are living it up. So that's me surviving and thriving. What about you, Allison? Let's see, surviving. That's a great question. Maybe kind of a combo thing. I'm surviving the crazy Southern weather. It's been so all over the place. And I don't, I don't really love big swings in weather. I think I mentioned to you before we got started recording that I'm from the Northeast, from Connecticut. So you would think that the cold weather would be my best friend. But I tell you, everybody I know who's a transplant from somewhere else who's come down here, it only takes about two, maybe three seasons before you're spoiled rotten. So I expect for my winters to be no colder than maybe 50, you know? So all my outdoor plants, I, you know, some of them got frosted over, the animals are unhappy, all that kind of thing. And now today it was like 60 degrees. So I went out in a big winter coat and I did not need it and I was sweating. So that's, you know, that's not the worst thing in the world, but I like a little consistency. So I'm surviving the weather. Thriving, I don't usually do New Year's kind of, you know, any kind of thing. But a friend convinced me to do a health challenge and we got ourselves scanned and did all the things. And so for the next, I think it's six weeks, it seems like an eternity. For the next six weeks, we're on this path and every week is some new kind of challenge we're supposed to do. And this was week two. I'm stunned that I've made it to week two. Honestly, I thought I would have fallen out before now, but you know, I'm still going along, doing my thing. We're cutting out something this week. I, I don't know, whatever. No eating out. So yeah, so I'm sticking, I'm, I'm thriving in my health challenge. So I'm excited about that. That's great. That There's a lot of willpower in being able to sit out and do those health challenges. So oh, goodness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I eat out in DoorDash way too much. So I'm try, trying to work on that, but good for you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump in. So Allison, this is kind of a loaded question. Please give our friends a glimpse kind of into your past and journey to your current role and kind of all the the fun highlights in between. Okay. <laughs> well, let's see. All right. I guess, you know, I, I came up through this sort of linear kind of worldview. My father was a corporate guy. My mother was a corporate attorney and I'm an only child. So they didn't think really long and hard about career opportunities and things. It was just, you're going to college, you're going to graduate school and from there, figure it out. So I, you know, I, went to college and I got an MBA afterward and I got a corporate job, you know, like people do. And interestingly, I spent 25 years in corporate America, you know, in corporate strategies and I, I'm a CPA. So I have kind of a financial bend in my background. The entire time, I didn't realize until later, there was just always something off. I always felt like some sort of an imposter. Like I put on my suit and that's my, you know, my suit of armor or whatever. But I always felt like a phony, not because I couldn't do the job, but just because I think it just wasn't even where I needed to be ever. But I did all the right things, got all the right promotions, had a great career on paper. You know, it was fine, but I was never really completely thrilled. So I had a side thing that I did way before side gigs were even a thing. I got into real estate kind of as a as a real estate investor and I became an agent so that I could do both sides of my contracts and things like that. 
And I enjoyed that as a side thing. So finally, I just decided I kind of rusted out of, I didn't burn out, nothing horrible happened. I just had enough. I just didn't feel fulfilled in any kind of way at a certain point. And so I decided, well, let me just make this real estate my full-time gig, which was great because I was able to afford to move from, you know, doing one thing to having something else that was supporting me. But again, with a lack of passion and having it be my primary thing, it just, it wasn't a great fit. I'm still in the real estate space because it makes sense economically, but I do it in a different way and it's not my main gig. I realized that what I really wanted to do was help people one-on-one in some kind of capacity. So I went back, dug into kind of what are the skills that you already have without having to go get another degree or learn new skills. It's kind of use the stuff you already have on hand. And that was the financial piece. This is a long story. I'm trying to make it short, but I decided that I, you know, I was like, well, I'm a sucker for, I don't know about you. I know a lot of people are kind of suckers for a certification of some sort. Is that a thing? Are you into that? Well, marketers are like, that's like the, that's like our fun time, which I'm like, who has time for fun? But we're making it this year. But yeah, certifications, they're great. Yeah, yeah. So I became a certified tax planner and I got into that space. Well, what happened was that a lot of my clients, just based on who I knew, were women. And they were a good proportion of them were women affected by divorce, you know? So I'm working with them in a financial way, but I also ended up kind of being a just sort of impromptu coach of of some kind, kind of using my financial info to help them in other ways. Then I, another certification, certified divorce financial analyst and planner to help people more effectively, particularly women more effectively get through the ups and downs of divorce and particularly the financial parts of it. But then, you know, divorce is not a finite thing. It is a transaction but it's a whole lifestyle change, you know? And so I began to work with people more and more, women more and more in that regard, helping them figure out what's coming next. So that's kind of where I am, the space I'm in now. I work with women in transition in my coaching practice, you know, group coaching and individual coaching. And and I partnered with a clinical psychologist who helps on the mindset, kind of getting your head right portion of things. But we have created a whole business that's you know, all around helping women get to, through, and beyond divorce. So it's the boldest me is our is our main overarching umbrella business. But underneath that, we have Mind Money Divorce, which is, you know, a number of different programs to help women get through divorce. That's phenomenal. So what motivated you to really want to focus on helping other ladies going through financial crisis, divorce? Like, what was kind of that moment where you're like, okay, This is exactly where I need to be doing this good work. Yeah, well, like I said, when I when I first started working with the tax planning and had clients who had divorce in their, you know, in their DNA, as it were at the time. I thought, well, you know, there's a whole bunch of people, these people are able to afford my rates and pay me for my services, but there are a whole bunch of people out there who can't. So I started a meetup group, honestly. And it was like once a month on a Saturday when people are typically not at work doing just these free workshops, helping women figure out, you know, giving them as much education as I could about the divorce process and pitfalls and just the financial things that you need to know and to watch out for and don't make deals just because you're nervous 
things like that. Gosh, that was so mind boggling to me and eye opening because I just didn't realize how many people are out there just struggling through the process. And I'll tell you, I've never been divorced. My parents weren't divorced. So it wasn't a personal experience for me, which I think is, you know, it could go either way. A lot of people in the divorce space have that experience. I think I bring the objectivity to it. So it seems to work. But just working with people who could never afford to have somebody guide them, you know, hold their hand. They couldn't afford an attorney. So most of the time they're doing all this on their own. You know, this hopefully for a lot of people is a once in a lifetime thing. So it's not anything anybody's prepared for, right? And you can Google, but we know how that is. You get good information and bad information, right? You know, so that was really empowering. And then I just realized that there were also, I could make this a part of my core business because there were so many people. I had friends, you know, throughout my life going through divorce who, and, and people tell me now, gosh, I wish I had had a program like this because it would have been just so much easier to be informed. So it's just been a labor of love for me because who doesn't like helping people, you know, get to the other side of something. I can only imagine a very difficult season to be walking through. So with all the emotions and all the just like, uncertainty of things as well as just what are your next steps? I'm sure it's a very overwhelming process to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, totally. What are kind of your first steps when engaging with a potential client? Like what is kind of that first sit down kind of look like for those who might be interested? You know, a lot of times people are so typically so anxious about where are we going to go? You know, what is the settlement going to look like? You know, and if you have children, obviously custodial things and heaven forbid there's any kind of a danger situation. But for me, the first thing is like, where are you, you know, the client on the continuum? Because there's thriving and surviving and carrying on and the world is your oyster and there's, I'm rocking in a corner kind of thing. You know, and I say that without jest and there's a whole lot of space in between. So my first thing is to try to figure out where people are on that continuum because it's wildly important. If you are locked in your head around fear, it's really difficult to move forward, right? It's it's difficult to even take in information. And I've seen that firsthand where people can't even absorb what it is you're saying to them because you're, they're living in such fear of, are my kids going to get taken away? Are, you know, real life issues like I must, I've been a stay at home mom. What if he doesn't give me enough money or doesn't have to be a he, you know, what if, my ex it doesn't give me enough to live on. You know, I don't get enough support. What are we going to do? So it's all about mindset at that point, you know, just trying to work with people, honestly, to get them calmed down that this too shall pass. We will get past this. And honestly, when we're finished working together, you are going to be in a way better place probably than you are now if you, you know, are open to the process. So that's where we start, just getting people comfortable. It's almost a handholding situation because that's what people need and deserve is to have somebody in the corner yeah someone walking through it with them yeah so is there a defining maybe story or moment in your career where you help some lady or, or someone going through financial difficulty through your services and what was that experience like I think you know going back again to the just being a service provider out there not charging you know just doing workshops that really was I think most of us who do what the things that we do, you've had that experience where you help somebody and it's not about the money. It's not about, it's just, you realize that the things are going to be a little bit better for them because 
you were there, you know? I think we've all had married experiences like that. And, and again, it never has anything to do with getting paid. It's almost always some situation that you've had that, that you just sort of fell into. So again, working with women who are, you know, so I, I, I can't explain to you how you feel like you're doing something special, but you also feel so, um, so happy to be able to be a part of somebody's journey. Because I've had people who've been on, you know, a Zoom, like one of these little Zoom meetings, and they're doing it in secret, right? They're doing it from their car or, or from wherever because they don't want their other person to know what it is that's going on. And those are not necessarily the types of people I work with as a coach and as a in my businesses because they just have different circumstances. And so that's the kind of thing that really keeps me galvanized and my my paying businesses allow me to do some of these other things that that I find to be very helpful. Are you looking for a new membership to really plug into, find community, and really begin thriving? Well, we have just a membership for you at the Ladies Who Lead podcast. We have a membership on Patreon that is the thriving membership. It's only $5 a month. You get exclusive content, bonus episodes, sneak peek of the new merch, and early access to all of our announcements and promotions that are happening right here, right now. You're just the first person to know about it. If this sounds like the membership group for you, don't hesitate to sign up as we link it in our show notes. It's patreon.com backslash the ladies who lead. And this is an incredible membership you do not want to miss out on. What are some practical financial tips or strategies individuals can implement in their daily lives just to get back on their feet and get going in the right direction? One of the first things is just, you know, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with divorce, but it can, is about credit. You know, we live in a world where credit is king. The phrase years ago used to be cash is king, but now it's all about credit, whether you want to get a mortgage, a lease, anything. It's all about credit. And one of the first big mistakes people can make is to think, well, let me, you know, I'm not using these credit cards. Let me get rid of those. Huge mistake, right? Because one of the biggest ratios that are looked at with respect to your credit score is the ratio of how much credit you have available to you and how much you're using. So when you close credit cards that you're not using, that also means like, say you had $3,000. Now you've reduced the amount of credit that's available to you. And so you, you kind of change the ratio in a not great way. So that's one thing that I, you know, encourage people not to do, particularly again, when you're making your transition, people think that's something that's a good thing to do. Also pay yourself always. I know we hear that phrase, but we don't always take it on board. Pay yourself first and automate it. We have all the ways to do that. Make sure money is coming, whatever you're getting paid, a portion of that, however low that might be, a portion of that needs to be going into savings. Also, if you can, preferably, even if, if you know a big transition is coming up, but just in life in general, create an emergency fund. Start early, as early as you possibly can. As soon as you get your first real full-time job, start an emergency fund. Three to six months would be great of, of your total living expenses. Put it in a you know savings account. It's just out of sight, out of mind. We don't live in a world where people keep jobs forever. People get laid off constantly. And so you don't want to be caught on the back foot. I mean, you know, I can go on and on, but I, I won't, you know, <laughs> I won't. But I think one of the biggest thing that, things, though, that a lot of people don't do because we're just living life 
is set goals, set short and long-term financial goals. And then everything else revolves around that. As long as you have those goals in mind all the time, everything you do, like simple things like making decisions about purchases, right? We can so easily get on Amazon or wherever and just buy stuff, right? But if you have short and long-term goals, that forces you to kind of think about, is this something I really, is this, is this in line with my goals and my objectives and short and long? And it kind of makes it easier to have a 48 hour rule, you know, which is, if it's not a necessity, let's wait 48 hours. If it's still on my mind, gosh, I have to do that all the time because I am, I'm a finger, oh, shiny object, you know, just buying things, right? So I have to put myself on 48 hour notice all the time. So I think that's a, a great one that everybody can put into play. Yeah, I'm a dweller. I dwell on my purchases before I press the button. I'm like, I'll mull it over for a good week and then I'll finally, you know. You're good then. You've got it covered. That's great. So it depends on how big or small it might be, but I wouldn't <laughs> say I'm great, but I'm trying. That's good. It'll get you. Yeah. Well, those are great tips and, and just thoughts about, you know, any kind of big life transition, whether it be changing jobs, being laid off, being fired, divorce, like you mentioned, like there's so many different life transitions that come up. And, and with that, I think we can be our worst enemy. How can our listeners better manage their inner critic and begin really building back the confidence? Because I think sometimes we allow ourselves or others to put us in a box and then you, your power starts to, to diminish. And before long, you look around, you're like, wait, this isn't me. This isn't what I set out to do. What happened? So how can, how can people begin building back? You know, there are a couple of activities that you can do with yourself and preferably with somebody else. You know, it doesn't have to be a coach. It could just be a good friend that you trust. Getting a bead on what, what's going on in your head, right? The inner critic, we all know that we, everybody has you know, a little chitter chatter in their head constantly. And we have so many negative thoughts a day. So many thoughts generally, you know, a huge number of them happen to be negative thoughts. This is an activity that's a little tough to do, but it requires concentration. Taking a journal or just a piece of paper or something and paying attention to what you're thinking when you're on your own. Things like when you hear something like, you know, you're anxious about something. I'm never going to be able to make enough money to afford us. I'm never going to be able to. Anytime you hear the word never, those sorts of negative words, write it down, right? At first, you just write it down for a week and you look over it every day and see, oh, that's interesting. All right. The next week, you add on to that. Every time you have one of those, then you take the time either then in the moment or later, go back and read it and say, what's kind of another way to spin this? So for instance, with that example, I'm never going to make enough money to support myself. A spin on that could be, you know, I'm smart, I'm resourceful, I'm a hard worker, I'm willing, and I, you know, I have the drive. Why not me? Why can't I? And then it becomes much more positive as you go along. So that's, you know, it's an activity, it takes a little time, but it's forcing yourself to be mindful of what your mind is saying, and then spinning it on its head, so that you begin to create a more positive energy for yourself. Another one is, and this is, this works really well with partner or somebody who knows you fairly well, talking about and listening to your own stories, right? Perfect example is in the realm of divorce. Think about this. Everyone has had somebody, a friend or an acquaintance or somebody who is like this. 
they're talking about the ex or the soon to be ex or whatever in a negative, they're either talking about them negatively or saying all of the things that they've done that are horrible or how they've treated them horribly, right? So that's your story. And your friends and people that you're around can, if you can't see it yourself, they can help tell you if you're willing for them to be honest with you, what are the stories that I'm telling? Because you have to know where you are again on the continuum to understand, to try to figure out where you're going to go next. So if that's where you are in the whole process, then you're still mired in the past. That's dead and it's not dying. It is already dead. If you're at the point where you're getting divorced, that's dead. That's no longer your story. Your story is from here on out and what you make of it. But you have to get out of, of living in the past story. And you have to be aware of what your past story is. I know it kind of sounds like it's hokey pokey a little bit, but it, it's just getting in touch with yourself. That's really what it is, you know? And if you don't take the time to do that, we all know somebody who is still telling old stories, you know? And that's, it just holds you back forever. Yeah. How do you move past the, your past, right? How do you get past right. the old stories and start fresh in the present? Yeah, you have to you know, first thing, acknowledge that that the stories that you have, there's nothing wrong with telling those stories. Write them down. If you're a writer, if you're a journaler, write them down. Talk about it, you know, so that you can purge it in a way, because you have to free your mind in order to use your mind to think about where am I going? Also. When you're living in the past, you know, in a negative kind of way, it puts you in a path of almost fear, right? Like this is all you're looking at is the negative that has happened previously. And you have a tendency then to sort of get blinders on and live in fear. And again, when, you, when you're living in fear, you do have blinders on. We don't make big, bold decisions when we're living in fear, right? If you think that you're going to struggle to have your next meal, you're not going to launch a new business, right? You're going to double down on the job that maybe you hate and hold your head down and just keep trying to get that paycheck. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that that's bad. It's all about the mindset. Why are you doing that? Sometimes we have to do that for self-preservation. But you can also, if you have freed your mind from some of these negative things, you can open your mind to, while I'm still making my paycheck, what am I going to do next? What's going to be my next big, big thing? I'm finished with that, that stuff in the past, whatever's holding me back or whatever. The world is my oyster. The world is not your oyster when you're living in fear and you're looking at the past and thinking of yourself in some sort of negative light or your circumstances in a negative light. Nothing that speaks to me in a lot of ways today. I don't know about anyone else who's listening, but I'm like, oh man, Allison's speaking to me. But I think we can get kind of trapped in that mindset and kind of fear and being paralyzed and knowing, okay. What's my next step? How can I move forward? How can I heal? How can I forgive and and start off on the right foot, as we, especially as we enter into this new year? I think there's a little bit of, you know, pokey pokiness with New Year's resolutions, but I also think there's something profound when you can create those long-term goals or short-term goals of maybe you have stinking thinking and you're just constantly negative and you're, you feel like you're in that rut. How do you get out of it? And I think you've just given us some great great, just like actionable next steps that we can take with ourselves and, and start implementing. What advice would you give your younger self if you could look back now and, and do it, maybe not do it all over again, which I know we're not trying to reflect necessarily too much on the past, but what advice would you wish that someone had told you when you were going throughout your career? 
I really, really, really wish I had been braver, not in the in a danger side of, you know, like be brave, but braver in terms of looking at all the big opportunities that are, that are out there. I think I had, you know, kind of blinder syndrome in a way, because I thought these are the things I'm supposed to do. It makes sense. It leads you on a path to prosperity, I suppose, if, if money is what you're looking for, you know, but I wish I had really listen to my inner self and examine some other opportunities earlier that that honestly that would have been amazing i wish i hadn't waited so long to to find something i love i'm gonna flip the script a little bit what's the worst piece of advice you've been given oh god oh goodness gracious in the corporate world (laughs) i've been given a lot of terrible advice work harder i think work harder i hate that And I didn't realize it at the time. I knew it gave me hurt stomach, like just clench, but work harder, put your head down, that kind of thing. I just don't believe in it now. You know, I don't believe that working harder necessarily gets you where you want to go. Working, you know, we love that little phrase, work smarter, but that's, and that's true. But working harder at something you don't want to do is dumb, frankly, in my opinion. And I heard that a lot. Just, we got to work harder. We're just going to buckle down. Oh, come on. Last but not least, this is one of my favorite questions to ask. And I think it's interesting hearing everyone who comes on the podcast. because I always ask this question every single time. It's different. And I love that. How do you define success for yourself? I love that because if I look back at how I would have defined it 20 years ago, it'd be totally different. Now it's all about like, I don't hate Mondays anymore. So my, I I feel like right now I am successful. I wake up happy in the morning. So I'm passionate about what I do and I get to use skills that I have. So I feel useful and I get to make money doing it. So um, you probably know the Ikigai, the Japanese kind of term for the marriage of all those things. And that's what I feel like I've accomplished now. Uh, you know, I had bits of it before, like using skills and getting paid for it, but I wasn't passionate. But to have all those things together to me is, you know, I feel like I'm winning. Well, Allison, it has been a joy getting to speak with you and just kind of pick your brain about financial questions and big life transitions. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Before we wrap up, how can our listeners find you? What's your shameless plug? I'm on LinkedIn. It's Allison with one L, Paul, coaching women. I answer all emails. I love to email people if they have questions or just want to chat about something. So again, it's Allison1L at theboldestme.com. And my shameless plug is my little passion project has been, um, I don't know, I, I just got into creating content for kids, particularly young girls about entrepreneurship. So I have a new book out. It's called Startup Smart, The Girl's Guide to Entrepreneurship. There's a workbook that goes with it and a website with extra content. So, and that's the boldestmekids.com. So that's my shameless plug. I love that. I will definitely be checking that out. So thank you so much for your time and please come back. I've really enjoyed getting to speak with you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ladies Who Lead podcast. Looking for another way to engage with the Ladies Who Lead podcast? Check out our Instagrams and our show notes at the Ladies Who Lead. And don't forget to check out our website, www.theladieswholead.com. 
Until next time, I'm SK Vaughn.